That's tonight at 6 o'clock, a link night. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, right? Lord, we thank you for this day and for the, the privilege and joy of worship. And we are your people, and we want now for you to speak to us and to guide us and to give us grace and understanding. We uh, know that the Scripture says that you are the source of wisdom and understanding. So we come to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we pray you to open the Word to our understanding. Uh, teach us, guide us, please, Lord. Please show us yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I like happy endings. They lived happily ever after uh, is, is a good way to end a story. That's why I have forever sworn off watching a movie with a dog in it. Because when there's a dog in the movie, the dog dies, and it's just not good. But other stories do end happily ever after. Uh, Cinderella, uh, Snow White. Uh, today in the corridors of Columbia, the term happily ever after is being spoken by everyone. So happily ever after. Uh, and, and thinking about living happily ever after or living well or living happily, I was doing some research about articles that dealt with these issues, and one article gave several steps and what to do to live happily. And I'm going to just give you four of their ten. One is steer clear of negative people who suck the joy out of your life. Okay. Number two is love who you are, who you were, and what you will be. Okay. Third, stop doing things that make you unhappy. And the fourth is, let go of people and things that hold you back. Well, I, I thought about that as compared to um, a statement from an old confession of faith written in the 1560s in a place called Heidelberg, Germany. And the, the first question is this, is what is your only comfort in life and death? Answer, my only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but I belong to my faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who by his shed blood has satisfied for all of my sins. He has delivered me from the power of the devil and so preserves me that not a hair can fall from my head without my heavenly Father's knowledge. So Christ has redeemed me by his blood. He has freed me from the power of the devil, and he preserves me or guards me or watches over me. Then the second question is this. As you understand this comfort, what must you know or do to die or to live happily and to die happily? There's the word happily. And the answer is three things. Number one, to know the depth of my sins and misery. To know how I may be delivered from my sins and misery. And then thirdly, how I may express my gratitude for my deliverance. So what do you do to live happily and die happily? And as you read this, you think about the, the, the fact that, that a, a worldview is a way of thinking. And if you're a, a believer in Christ and you take the Scripture seriously, you say, boy, that's, that's right on. That, that's, that's got it going on. But, but, but you live with and you walk with and you work with and you go to sports with and, and you shop with people who, who would affirm the first four things. And so it's really important for us to understand the mind of God. And that's why we're studying the model prayer. The model prayer deals with this issue. Jesus says this. 
He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, Abba Father who rules. He says, you, you, you come to the Father who, who says through Christ this, come to me all your weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me for I am humble and gentle of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. You come to that Father. You come to the Father that Christ speaks of in Matthew chapter 10 when he says that are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father's knowledge. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Take heart. You are of more value than many, many sparrows. We come to the Father who the Apostle James wrote of in James 1 when he says this, that religion that God our Father considers as pure and undefiled as this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress. God is the Abba Father of the disenfranchised, the hopeless, those who are cast aside by society. We come to that kind of Father. And he says, as you do that, you continue to pray this, hallowed be your name. God, you get the honor. You get the reverence. You get the glory. You get the honor. We get the joy. You get the worship, and we get the peace. And your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. So rule us by your word and by your Holy Spirit that we're more and more conformed to you, that Satan's designs are overthrown, that the church of the risen Christ is preserved and increased, and that we take every thought captive through the obedience of Christ until Jesus becomes our all in all. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then Christ goes into somewhat the mundane. He goes from the, the high to the mundane. The next petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, show us that we can't live daily without your sustaining goodness. Show us we can't collect our daily bread without you giving us the energy and the wherewithal to do so. Show us that we depend upon you. And then we come to the fifth petition today. I'll spend two weeks on this petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let me give you some principles from this passage. The first is this. People who understand their forgiveness by the cross of Christ, glory in the cross, because they understand the necessity of the cross. The cross is central. The reality of Christ and Him crucified is the focal point of history. In the book of Romans, chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this, verse 21, he says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, or what we can do. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Stop. The focal point of all history, according to the Old Testament prophets, according to the law, is the fulfillment of the, the Messiah King, the Lamb of God, whose name is Jesus. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, a covering. He covered our sins by his death upon the cross. Because of this, he has passed over the sins that were formerly committed. But now, now, see, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And so when we understand the righteousness is ours in Christ because of the cross, we glory in it. It's the focal point of history. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead. Dead. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He says, he says church at Ephesus, listen, you were dead, not, not severely injured. You were dead in your trespasses. And God breathed life into you through the cross of Jesus, the focal point of history. Romans 5, God commends his love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. The Old Testament, Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all. So people who understand forgiveness through the cross see the necessity of the cross and they glory in it. Here's my question. I want to take you somewhere. How, how church, how do we glory in the cross? How, how do we glory in the cross? I'm going to suggest one way. We glory in the cross by confessing our sins, agreeing with God about our sins, running away from our sins. And let me, first, first John chapter 1, verse 5, John says, this is the testimony that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then he says this in verse 6, and he says this kind of a, kind of a, a dialogue with a straw man. He says this, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So, how do we have fellowship with one another? We walk in the light. We walk in the light. We don't walk in the darkness. And then there's a straw man argument. Verse 8. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And in other words, John is saying, for those of you who say, you know, we, we, we really don't have any sin. He says, listen, you're deceiving yourself. You are a sinner. You need a Savior. And then he goes back. Verse 9. But... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Conversely, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the tr his word is not in us. And so he raises the stakes. He says, well, first of all, he says you're deceived. Now, if you say you haven't sinned, you make God to be a liar and his truth is not in us. So, so how do we 
glory in the cross, we, we confess our sins. Now, hear me. According to this text, wh- why do we confess our sins? Answer, when we confess our sins and deal with our sins, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin. We've been forgiven, we are being forgiven, we will be, be forgiven. But, but we have, it gets rid of the stuff in our lives that, that keeps us from having fellowship with one another and with the Lord. The second reason that we confess our sins is that as we understand the depth of our sin, it inflames our hearts with joy and worship and glory in the cross. So it, it, we deal with our stuff it cleans the lines of communication, and it inflames our hearts. Ephesians 4, Paul goes through walking as new people, live this way, and then he says this, and do not let the, sin, the sun go down on your anger. Because if you do, you give the devil a foothold in your life. So Paul, Paul says, deal with your stuff. In Matthew 5, 23, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift. First be reconciled, then come back and worship. So don't, don't as much as it depends upon you, don't let brokenness and fractured relationships and, and junk be in your life. In Psalm 66, the psalmist is rehearsing the great things God has done and his work and his wonders and his mercy and his power and, and, and how he's led them. But then he says this. He says, Come in here, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongues. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Did you hear that? If I had coddled iniquity, if I had planned iniquity, if I had not dealt with my sin, God would not have heard. He would not have acted. And so one reason we confess our sin is to, is, is to inflame our hearts, but to clear the lines for communication with God and fellowship with my fellow man. So, in the larger catechism, it asked this question. What is prayer? Answer. I've been thinking about this a good bit. Prayer is bringing our desires to the Lord in the name of Jesus. The only way we come to prayer before Holy God is through the work of Christ. With the help or aid of the Holy Spirit, confessing our sins and gratefully acknowledging His mercies. And you, you step back and say, Confessing our sins, what does that mean? I I think this is what it means. It it means that we get the junk out of our lives so that we can see Christ more clearly as our hearts are inflamed with what he's done for us. Um, This is the Westminster Confession of Faith, Article 15, Section 5 on Repentance. Very interesting. That's what it says. Men ought not to content themselves with a general repentance. But 
it is every man's duty to endeavor to repent of his particular sins particularly. Now, I, want you, I want you to hear this. This is, really, this is really important. What they're saying here, confession of sin, is that it's our responsibility. It's, it's not just somebody stands up at a worship service, which is perfectly fine, and say as, as, as the representative, as an elder, as a pastor of the church of Christ, if, if you have trusted in Messiah King to cover your sins, you are forgiven. We rejoice in that. But it says here that it is every man's duty to repent of his particular sins particularly. And as, as I thought about that, I, I just thought, you know, you deal with your stuff. Here's my application for us. Take a piece of paper. If you have a journal, put it up at the end, at the end of the day. Write down three or four sins that you've committed that day. Either something you've done or something you've left undone you should have done. And let me tell you something. You have them. Say, well, I don't, I don't know. You got them. If you don't know them, ask your spouse, ask your kids. Even better, you know. Now, I'm serious. You, you, you use code, use symbols so nobody but nobody, you and the Lord. And then you ask yourself, now, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? If I want to, if I want to have clear communication with, with God and fellowship with man, if I want my heart to be inflamed with rejoicing in the goodness of the cross of Christ, what am I going to do about it? One of the great joys of, of living in Charleston is this is just a beautiful city. It's great. It's a great city. And, and, but there's a downside. There's some downside. It's a fallen world. One downside of living in Charleston is we have roaches. We do. They're nasty. Some of you call them palmetto bugs. I don't know. We have roaches. And so every six weeks, we go and get a container full of stuff that you spray in your house that kills all your brain cells and destroys the ozone. And we spray and you, a few hours later, you've got these roaches sitting upside down with their feet sticking up. You pick them up, throw them away. And so if you do that, you don't have, you're not overrun with the roaches. See, confession, is, confession gets the garbage out. God wants to change us. That's what we do. So that, that, I've been, our desires are brought to the Lord through the mediation of Christ by the help of the Spirit with confession of our sins and grateful acknowledgement of His tender mercies. That's prayer. It's meaning business with God. Secondly, you see, when you understand the depth of your sin and you glory in it, then you are a forgiving person. You, you really are. You're, you're a forgiving person. Some of you remember this. Uh, 1977, there was a basketball game between the Houston Rockets and the L.A. Lakers and the NBA, and there was an altercation, a fight, and there was a big power forward, a mountain of a man named Kermit Washington for the Lakers, and he was, they were fighting, and Kermit Washington had pulled back to deliver a powerful punch, and there was a guy in the Rockets named Rudy Tomjanovich, and Rudy was from the University of Michigan and was a five-time NBA All-Star and was a captain of the team. And he charged down the court to break up the altercation. And he got there 
just in time to step in front of his teammate and to receive the full brunt of a powerful punch, unguarded. He was running, and so his, his, his momentum hit the fists, which made it much worse, shattered his nose, broke his jaw, five reconstructive surgeries before he could play ball again. Rudy T. never played well again. Never. He went on and he coached the Houston Rockets and won two NBA championships and is esteemed by that organization as he should be. But a few years after that happened, someone asked him, why, why have you forgiven Kermit Washington? This is what he said. Someone once told me that hating Kermit, the guy who hit him, would be like having poison and hoping someone else would die, or, or drinking poison and hoping someone else would die. I've always remembered that, close quote. It's a good statement. It's like drinking poison, hoping he will die. Conversely, in literature, there's a book called Great Expectations. It's a wonderful book by Charles Dickens. And there are many subplots, but the, 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 one of the primary plots is around a woman named Miss what? Havisham. Ooh. Miss Havisham is an old woman, when the story takes place, older woman, and you see her grow very old, but as an older woman, she is living in this mansion wearing a wedding dress that is yellow with decay because at a certain day when she was a young woman, at an hour in the morning, she was supposed to be married, and she was left at the altar by her husband-to-be, who had been in cahoots with her half-brother to rob her of her fortune, and they, they left with money, left her at the altar, huge wedding cake, wedding dress, and she went into a fit of madness. And she wore the wedding dress every day the rest of her life. And she talks about the wedding cake that the, the mice have not. That wedding cake must have had some incredible preservatives because it's there for a lot of years. So, so Miss Havisham, and in, in the course of the book, this is what Miss Havisham says. She says, on, on this day of the year, long before you were born, Pip, this heap of decay, this wedding cake, was brought to me. It and I have worn away. The mice have gnawed at it, and sharper teeth than teeth of mice have gnawed at me. It's a great statement. Sharper teeth than the teeth of mice have gnawed at me. And you go, you know, that, that's, that's an incredible reason to be forgiving. Because you don't want to nail yourself at that time, at that place, in this way. And we all know, we all know families that generationally are unforgiving, they keep records, they, they, they have incredible short fuses and long memories, they are horrible to be with because they are like Miss Havisham. Conversely, we know other families that are filled with grace and laughter and joy because they understand the glory of the cross. I want that for you. Now, now you look at Rudy T. and his magnanimity and Miss Havisham and her dysfunction, and, and you say, well, we should do this. But let me tell you, for us who have trusted in Christ, the most powerful reason to forgive can be summed up in a small little verse in Ephesians 4 that says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. That's why you're forgiving. You're not forgiving because primarily you don't want to be nailed in time. You're not forgiving primarily because just like drinking poison open, somebody else is going to die. You're forgiving because you've seen the glory of the cross. And that's what I want. That's why Jesus says, pray, forgive us our debts. And something happened in Luke chapter 7. And Christ used the occasion to tell a story. In Luke chapter 7, the Lord goes to the home of a Pharisee. And while he's sitting in the home of the Pharisee, a woman of the night, a prostitute, comes in and she loosens her hair and starts bathing the feet of Christ with her tears and drying them with her hair. And the Pharisee is absolutely disgusted. And he says to himself, the Bible says that, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, he didn't know this, but not only was Jesus a prophet, he was a son of God, and he could read minds. So Jesus, answering his thoughts, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. And Jesus just talked about how he had been received by this man compared to being received by this woman. And he says this. A certain moneylender had two debtors. It's an easy question. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they both could not pay, he canceled the debt. Now, which of them is going to be the most grateful and love him the most? And the Pharisees said, well, the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, you're right. And he says, you didn't greet me. This woman has greeted me. You didn't bathe my feet. She's bathed my feet with her tears. And then Christ says this. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And there's a right way to read this, and then there's a right way to read this like a Pharisee. See, a Pharisee says, well, that's true, he's been forgiven much, loves much. And there, there, are, people, and there are people in our worship services today who've done time in prison. There are people in our services today who used to be strung out on drugs. There are people who have children out of wedlock. There are people who I don't know who, who've had aborted, have they, well, they've aborted their children. There are people who have done all types of things. And you say, hey, you know, yeah, those people must really love the gospel because they've really been forgiven. But me, uh, so a lot of you were raised in Christian homes. You became believers, supposedly, early. You got married early, so you didn't struggle with sexual temptation as much as people that don't get married to later and you you got a job and you've done well and you vote right and you live right and you, you smell right and you are right and you read this like a pharisee 
and you've missed the gospel. See, what Jesus is saying here is not read this like a Pharisee. Read this like a broken person who realizes the depth of your sin. See, we're all this lady. We are all this lady. Years ago, years ago, I mean years ago, I'll change the story to make sure there's no, you, you, wouldn't, you couldn't put this together. There, a couple came to me and they were involved in a situation that if they had been found out would have destroyed their lives, destroyed them. Very gifted couple. They repented. They needed help. Got them some counseling. Got them into some help, some programs. Uh, met with them. Prayed with them. Uh, I, love, I love the couple. Love them. Dear, dear, dear people. They got out of it. Noticed a few months later, they didn't come to church. So what's, what, what's that? So I went to see them. What's going on? I said, well, you know, we just, uh, we just, uh, basically, they said, we don't want to face you because you know our stuff. We don't want to see you every week. And I just, I thought, you know, God, forgive us for ever giving the impression that we've got it all together. God, forgive me because I sure don't, you know. God, forgive me for ever giving people the impression that I have it, I have it together. We're sinners saved by grace. We're broken people. That's why I love Galatians 6. That's Ms. Haversham. Galatians 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, I don't know if it's the elders or a special group, but you who are spiritual, go and restore them gently. In a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I love this. He said, you know, go to them with a the spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual, you who are known for walking with the Lord, but when you restore them, you, you do it with gentleness and keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. You're never above sin, leaders. And so you deal with people as a broken person to a broken person. You know, that, that's why this whole issue of, of confession, you know, when you can, my personal testimony, I, I have no problem confessing my sins to the Lord because he's Abba Father. Because the cross screams forth acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. My problem is confessing my sin to somebody else that I sinned against. It's just hard. My son told me years ago, Dad, he said in a moment of teenage lucidity, Dad, you have a problem telling people that you're wrong. He's right. He's right. You see, we, we, we restore people with gentleness because nobody here has it all together. God forgive us for ever giving the impression that our marriages are problem-free, that our relationships are problem-free, that parenting is problem-free. So, so 
really, people understand that the depth of the grace of the mercy of Christ are easy to live with because they're forgiving. They're easy to be friends with because they're forgiving. They don't keep records. They don't, they, they're just cross-driven. Um, thirdly, there's, there's emotional wholeness in understanding the depth of our sin, why we're forgiven, and then expressing gratitude. There's emotional wholeness. There's this wonderful little word in the New Testament that's translated sound, and it means wholeness and harmony and radiance and hope. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says that, that the law is for uh, people who are sexually immoral and men who practice homosexuality and enslavers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, wholesome doctrine, life-giving doctrine, life-building. I just love it. And then in Titus chapter 2, the statement is made regarding how to teach. He says, but, but, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, and sound in, in faith and in love and steadfastness. Sound, wholesome, radiant, harmonious. I want that. There is wholeness and hope here, brothers and sisters. And that's why Jesus says, pray, forgive us our sins, our debts, as we forgive our debtors. There's a man, church history named William Cooper. William Cooper uh, wrote some incredible poetry and hymns, Christ follower. Uh, William Cooper struggled with debilitating depression all of his life, his adult life. Best friends with John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. And William Cooper, in what he called a fit of extreme madness, decided to take his life. And so he went to the local druggist and he bought some poison. He went back to his apartment and he wrote a letter and he started to take the poison. But he couldn't t bring himself to take the poison. So he put it down and he said, I'm going to drown myself. And so he went down to the local river to throw himself in the river. And unknown to him, that day there was a huge fair and there were people everywhere. And he realized that if he threw himself in the river, he would be saved. And then he said, well, I'll go back to my apartment. He picked up the poison and he just couldn't couldn't take it, so he threw it down. He crushed it underneath his feet. And then he said, I'll, I'll, I'll stab myself. And so he took a knife and he, he tried to stab himself. And then and the knife broke as he tried to stab himself. God's trying to say something to the guy, I think. And then he said, well, I'll, I'll hang myself. True story. And so he put a rope around the beam and he hung himself and he blacked out. And 30 minutes later, he woke up, realized the rope had broken and he had fallen. He wasn't dead. And so Cooper started thinking, and, and he, he wrote a hymn that we sing frequently. It goes like this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief on the day of the crucifixion of Christ, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I Though vileness, he wash all my sins away. Now, I, 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 there's soundness in that way of thinking. Do you see the depth of your sin and the greatness of the mercy of Christ? And are you living a life of gratitude because of that? 
You see, in Matthew 18, the fourth point, there is stewardship. Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story about a, about a man who owed the national debt to a king. And the king forgave the national debt of this man. And he went out of the court with no debt. He could never pay the debt off. Jesus used a son that was beyond comprehension. And he goes outside and he's walking down the street and he sees a day laborer who owes him just a few bucks because he didn't show up or whatever. And so he grabs the day laborer and he shakes him and says, you've got to pay me right away. And the story talks about how the king in a rage said, take that man and throw him in prison, the, the man he just forgiven. And the whole point of the story is, do you understand the debt that you owe to the king of glory who died on the cross for your sins? 1 Corinthians 6 said, you've been brought with a price Therefore, honor God with your body, with your being. I want that for us. I want you to live for Him. I want you to have that soundness and that joy and that, 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 that radiance in your life as you understand the depth of your sin and the glory of the cross and you live as a forgiven person. And God uses you in our culture and in our communities and on your campuses. And may God give us grace to live that way. Let's Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. God, help us to see the glory of sins forgiven. I pray for people who are here today who do not understand the cross, that you'd show them by your grace that sin has separated them from a holy God, and the only way to cross from death to life is through the work of Jesus, who died as our substitute, fulfilling the Old Testament sacrificial system, that all the Old Testament... Jews long for coming Messiah, and, and we rejoice in that. And, and Lord, as you, as you teach us and as you change us, help us to pray with an earnestness the prayer you taught your disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.